Hi, welcome to another episode of Why a Dad and Daughter. This week we're talking about Mark Zacks, The Book Thief. Welcome to another episode of YA Dad and Daughter. On this episode, we're talking about Marcus Zizak's The Book Thief. Uh, we decided on this book because we were originally just going to do his new book, which came out, um, Bridge of Clay. Bridge of Clay. Um, it's his first book in like forever. And, and it just came out recently, right? And Dad had never read The Book Thief, and that made me mad. So Because you, how many times have you read it? Probably like 12 times. It's my favorite book of absolutely all time. It is the best. I love it. It made me laugh. It made me cry. I love this book so much. I was like, Dad, we can't do Bridge of Clay without reading The Book Thief first. So what we'll do, this is a two-part, kind of a two-part double episode. We're yeah, we do. should do like part one and, and part two and ones about each book. We actually met uh, an English teacher, high school teacher who had gone and seen him with his daughter and... I think he was talking about how The Bridge of Clay was one of those books that kind of like stuck with him and was in the back of his head as he was trying to figure out like what to do and he just had to write the book. And it sounds like Book Thief was a similar situation as that. So it'll be interesting to look at those two. Didn't he, um, didn't he tell us that um, Marcus, whatever his last name is, I can't pronounce words, said that he'd, he'd written books that he like kind of cared about before The Book Thief. He just like loved it and like so much that he wouldn't write another book until it was he cared about something as much as that. It goes without saying that it's obvious in the book itself on every page, right? That it was something that he was haunted by, to use a, a term that's used with a lot of significance in the book. So let's um, let's step back for a second and um, we'll talk about The Book Thief, knowing that we're going to talk about Bridget Clay next in our double Marcus Zizek duo. So let's, let's unpack The Book Thief. It um, came out in... Two thousand five, yeah, two thousand five or six. Okay, wow. I don't really can't tell. Um, um, because it says text copyright was two thousand five. Okay, now I remember two thousand five. That was that was when my first book came out. That was when Looking for Alaska came out. I think Twilight may have come out that year. And I remember Marcus Zizek, his book uh, I Am the Messenger came out. It was one of the Prin's Honor books that year, which is the award for young adult books. So. He had kind of showed up on the radar with, you know, I've never read I Am the Messenger. but Have you read any of his books? I have never read any of his books. And it's funny because The Book Thief came out and people were saying that, you know, everyone was reading it. It was one of the situations where it wasn't necessarily like a a YA audience or even considered a YA book. And it uh, appeared and it was a thing that everyone said you had to read. You had to read. You know, it goes on to spend many weeks on the top 10 list, becomes a movie, and still is one of those books that people say is like one of the best books they ever read. I mean, like even on the cover, the um, the review says brilliant and hugely ambitious. This kind, uh, it's the kind of book that can be life changing. I think that may have actually been written by John Green, uh, who wrote Looking for Alaska and other books. I think he actually wrote the review in the Times for the Book Thief when it came out. It is the Book Thief is my favorite book ever. Well, so let's 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 unpack here because this is my my first time reading this book. And I wanted to ask you, I guess first of all, what is it about this book that you keep coming back to and you say it's your favorite book? I don't know. I guess it's the, just the way he wrote wrote it. I just found it like so unique the 
the perspective he wrote it from, Mm -hmm. which was the perspective of death, which I found hugely fascinating. It takes a, the the whole, the book takes place during uh, World War II in Germany. Uh, It's about a, she's not exactly an orphan because her mother never did die, but she was, she was sent, she was sent to Heimel Street to live with Hans and uh, Rosa Huberman. And it's just about her living there. Other stuff happens, like Jewish fish fighter in their basement, mm-hmm. and she has like her best friend Rudy, and she, her big thing is, hence the title, she steals books. She right. loves to read. She's like fascinated by words, so she's constantly like stealing books. Which is significant because they burn them. They they burn they, they don't burn all books. not all books, but the idea is that they control the they can kind of control the message. They control the meaning of things. Uh, she steals her first book, which is a Gravedigger's Handbook, after her little brother is buried. And she steals other books from many other places. She steals uh, books from book burnings. She steals books from the mayor's wife. Who has a whole library. Who has a whole library. But actually, at one point, we do find out that the mayor's wife did know that she was taking mm-hmm. the books. And she learns to read during this process, too. Yes, right? Her she, um, foster father teaches her how to read. Yeah, they read the Grave Digger's Handbook. It's like, okay, today, kids, we're going to be reading the Grave Digger's Handbook. Well, I, like how I love learning how to handle corpses. Fun, oh, fun. At the end of the Grave Digger's Handbook, too, it's like, we hope it improves your skill uh, as a grave digger. And it's pretty funny. It's like any instruction manual. Okay, but you, so you just, you were moved by the characters and by the... Just the, just the whole thing was amazing. And I just loved it. I, I, I'm, it's one of those things, like, everything about it was just so amazing. And like seriously, if I had one book that I had that those the one book I could have for the rest of my lifetime, it would be this one because every time I read it, I just love it more and more. I mean, I have to say, I was, I I don't know what my expectations were going into it, but they, it definitely was not what I was expecting, and I don't mean that in a, like a positive or a negative way. I, I I think it's brilliant. I mean, I think the writing of it was not at all what I was expecting. I I think one of the interesting things about it is. Often we, when you hear about books from, about this era um, that have this kind of power, they're often either nonfiction and they're often about um, aspects of the Holocaust. Um, so I, I just assumed this was a Holocaust story, which it kind of is tangentially. I mean, the whole thing takes place in Germany and they're near Dachau, the concentration camp, and they are part of the, the large number of German citizenry who are aware at some at some level of what's happening in their country but i thought it was interesting that it was a story about german citizens not 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 nazi party members necessarily not soldiers not um jewish citizens of germany it was about this girl who's a german girl and sort of her father wrestling with being uh, german when like what the notion of what it means to be a german is, is changing radically and like not for the better and and, and he resists it and he tries to fight it in the ways that he can knowing that you know everything and i think the interesting thing about these stories is that you know what happens in the uh, the grand scale and so everything that happens in this in the small stories is full of tension it's like full of fear it's full of stress because you know kind of like the characters do that everything that happens is being watched by somebody they could be in trouble they could be punished so it's like really intense and scary Spoiler alert. So if you don't want to hear any spoilers, which I mean, you probably read the book, Thief, so it doesn't really matter. But if you haven't, then spoiler alert, everybody dies. It's so sad. I cried so hard. It's very sad. Um, R.I.P. Hans, Rosa, Rudy, just about everybody else on Heimel Street. 
She means heaven, if I'm correct. Oh, uh, he does. He means heaven. Um, the other thing I wasn't prepared for was how beautiful the writing was. The style that he he writes about, especially when it, when he has parts where he becomes the death character fully and isn't talking about Liesel and the, the characters on, on Himmel Street. And he's talking about these large scale events that are happening, like the bombing of, of Cologne or other um, like kind of World War II or Germany events during that the period of the early 40s. It's, it's beautiful. Death it has this kind of innocence to him or her. And the descriptions and everything are just, it's like poetry or like music. It's just really gorgeous. And then the descriptions of characters are, uh, you know, they always talk about Hans Huberman's the foster father is silver-eyed. He's always described as silver-eyed. Their neighbor who they have a, uh, a relationship with that's a little bit tense and that's combative. Uh, he always describes her as, as being made up of wires. And so she's always wiry and, she, and she's described as 50 pounds of wires. It's always this consistent way that she's described it. I also love how Liesel's relationship with everybody just feels so real. It's not like, you're my friend. We're friends. We do things together. We walk down the street together. We're friends. It's like... So what is that? What do you mean by that? Well, like, we're, it just feels so 2D. Like, it's, it kind of reminds me. When I try to write things, everything feels 2D and fake. Yeah, I mean, like, they, that means they don't feel, feel real. It doesn't yeah. feel real. It's just sort of like on paper it's not like seem to be coming almost coming to life i just feel like her relations with everybody in there are just so real like let's talk about one of the relationships so i think the two strongest relationships are her foster father hans huberman who is just one of those great characters who i mean how can you not love this character he's just generous he's fun he loves her so much even though she's this kid he kind of brought in without any real store without any real knowledge of who she was or they it's not like they have a lot of extra food to, you know to feed an extra mouth and but he makes her life so much better right mm-hmm. but so take that example and then the other the other example would be rudy rudy Siner, Rudy's her the best lemon-haired friend. kid who has um yeah and i love how they have like all the other um people they have tommy muller i think yeah um uh who like t- twitches he's like a mm-hmm. like some like nerve thing or something that like makes him like constantly like twitch and he's so cute he probably died r.i.p tommy yeah well no he died didn't he yeah he lists all the people who die in the bombing everybody everybody dies except for her because she was in the basement writing which was lucky for her oh another one is the big one is max max max, max vandenberg a, uh who's a jew they kept in their basement mm-hmm. because it was safer than letting so he so the thing was hans had fought yeah world war one world war one and he had met max's father and max's father saved his life by getting like having him help out somebody oh back at base when they sent a bunch of guys out and so um max's dad was killed and later hans came to the house when max was still like four or something and so when max left like when Max like left because he had nowhere to go, he decided to head to Hans Huberman because I think Hans like said like said something to him to be like come here if you need anything or something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't remember exactly. But so he comes there and the human base and he and Liesel become like really good friends. And he's a mess, right? Like yeah. he's. I mean, with this story, it made me appreciate. It made me feel more closely connected with the people that that would harbor. Uh, Jews who are either hiding or trying to escape 
it really expressed to me the the fear and the anxiety that, that you know you can't it's one of those things you can't ever quantify or describe to somebody accurately but it's something that you can only i would imagine feel and the terror that comes with that i mean it's it's very palpable in this book the feel the fear that they're always going to be discovered that they can't tell anyone even their closest friends that they're doing this because it would mean their death and it would mean the death of the person in their house so it's I mean, it's something so far away from anything we could imagine at this point. Yeah, but the thing is, like, they don't tell anybody. She doesn't tell anybody. So, I mean, like, Rudy until finally later when they're grown up. Well, teenagers. Rudy's dead. No, she tells Rudy, remember? When Max comes through town and uh, they, oh, they call him a... Dead. Per, uh, dead. Yeah. That, that's Yeah, one. and she finally tells him why. And he goes, <laughs> what's he say? He says, crucified Christ, which is his, his favorite expression when he's like, flabbergasted yeah so let's go back to the relationships let's go back to the relationships let's talk about why why are they strong why are they good in this book like what makes them real makes them 3d i think some of it is because all the scenes we see are this childhood scenes where two children do something like stressful and exciting and it bonds them yeah i mean that that would definitely be one thing um, they don't like talk about their feelings. They we see we see what happens to them. We we understand that when those things happen, that they grow closer. Yeah, it reminds me of that that thing your teachers always tell you: show, don't tell. They're always like, show, don't tell, yeah. guys. Show, don't tell. Blah, blah, I guess blah, knowing yeah. when to tell and not to is yeah. part of that skill. Um, and that not having them be like, we're great friends now. <laughs> which which a lot of books I think probably do. You know, especially about young people. It's like, and then she was my best friend. Their relationship started when she was playing goalie in soccer mm-hmm. at some point. Right when they first, she first goes to her first soccer game and he's there with the neighborhood kids. And she's the new kid, right? Because she just moved in as the foster kid of these two people that took her in. One of those characters, I don't know why that like I liked them so much, but I really liked Rosa Huberman. Like, it's totally random. No, she's I just great. love that scene where she's after Hans has gone off to, um, they sent Hans off to fight. And um, she's just sitting, she sits there with um, his accordion just strapped to her. And she just, like, sits there in the yeah. night and, like, silence. At, at night. And then she falls asleep with the accordion strapped to her. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know why, but I just found that so, like, beautiful, like, how I described it. Well, it, it is interesting because I think that the two of them are very much, like, I think what most parents sort of joke about where one parent's, like, the fun parent and one parent's, like, the mean parent. It's kind of like, oh, well, you get to be the fun one all the time and I have to be the one who's disciplined, you know, who brings the discipline or who like tells them no all the time. And for me, they're a perfect example of like Hans Huberman's the one who like plays the accordion and cracks jokes so and they roll cigarettes together. And then Rose is the one who's always yelling at her coin or pig. And, like, and, she, hits, and this, she hits her, she hits her with a spoon. Well, they're, they're always arguing. Like they're, that's a, a pretty common trope where it's like you have the two, the couple that's always arguing, but they're completely in love. And when, when he leaves, you know, she, because they're a team she's you know completely broken by that um and you're right that scene of her sitting there with the accordion strapped to her chest not playing any music is uh, it's really pretty yeah i think with with rudy too more like more things that marcus zizek does about that with that relationship is you know they have running jokes which is such a great thing to make it feel like two characters are very close and who are like see each other all the time, very comfortable with each other. It also makes us feel a lot of affinity toward them because well, Rudy and Lisa always call each other pig. It's sort of like this term of endearment that they use. Um, and 
the uh, he's whenever something happens to him because he has like all this bad luck and some of it's you know scary bad luck like there's bad luck about falling and like poop or falling in like manure or whatever then there's like if you're like falling in manure while you're at the Hitler youth practice like that adds a whole other layer of like terror to it you know he, he he's often in these weird crazy situations and at the end of he, you know when they meet up he's kind of like can I get a kiss to make it all better um, <laughs> well like, it, it's, no. it, so the thing is he obviously like cares a lot. He, he they actually describe like he he's in love with the book thief. Like that that's something the death says a lot. The narrative yeah. says a lot, and it, it usually happens after like it's not just like to make it all better. Like he it's like actually like like a, a kind of like oh yeah he's yeah, just it, he's blowing it off like it's no big deal. But he um uh and so it, it actually usually happens well, it usually happens when it's it's them in the situation, not just him. Usually, mm-hmm. um it usually has to be both of them in the situation like the scene actually so i first read this book at school in seventh grade which was last year and um and then i've read like 20 times since uh in ela with my book group and we did the scene of the floating book when um victor throws the the whistler which is one of lisa's many books into the river and uh, rudy retrieves it yeah and that that's when he he asks his like usual question I think he, I'm trying to remember how he described it. Well, he jumps in the water and he retrieves the book and then he says, makes this normal joke. And does she say something or does Well, I don't think it was much of a joke that time, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I think death was like, like, I think, I think it was almost encouraging Lisa, like, because mm-hmm. the whole thing is after the bomb goes off and it kills everybody, mm-hmm. she do, he's dead, but she does give him a kiss. It's like, why didn't she just do that? Yeah, like, right. Um, and so it, it's, it's so sad. I actually cried so hard during that part. Yeah, it's a, it's a, that's a really hard part because she never ends up. There's the part later on at the very end when she tells him about Max. So there, so a couple different times in the book, there is I think there's either a call it a parade of, of Jews or the one uh, something like that, but the, the Jew march or something something that, that that they call it in the town where it's prisoners who are going to the concentration camp. And then later, prisoners from the concentration camp who come to go to nearby towns to clean up after bombings that the local German yeah. bomb cleanup squads and won't so, do. And so, one, so there's two, I think, really important ones. There's the one where Hans gives a Jewish man some bread. Mm-hmm. And so that, like, makes people not like him. And then the other time is when they see Max. And so, like, Liesl's like, Max, Max. And some guy, like... Kicks her down, so I was like whipping her because yeah, she's not a German soldier is leading them. Yeah, and so Tommy and Rudy come to a rescue um, because, like, she's not gonna. She releases one to it, but she's not gonna back down. Yeah, like, and she's like shell shocked by it too because let, let, let's 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 rewind that part. So why does Max, Max is at their house and he survives several different close run-ins? Like when they want they come to measure basements for air raids. Uh, as air, potential air raid shelters, and they're gonna like go search everyone's basement, and Max is in the basement, and he manages to like get squeaked by in that situation. And then what happens, right, is that they have one of these times when uh, Jews are being brought through to take them to Dachau, and they Hans, who is is somebody who is such a generous person, tries to give a, a man bread, and not only do they whip the man, but they whip Hans, and then Hans is terrified that they're gonna come search his house and blacklist him and do all this horrible stuff to his family. But and so what happens? Max leaves. Yeah. And it's it's not like Hans was like, Max, you have to leave. Like, Max, like, felt bad and left. 
And I think that shows a lot about Max. I really cares yeah. about that. No, I mean, the, like, the crushing, like, guilt that he feels about putting their lives in danger. Yeah, enough to put his own life in danger. So he leaves. And then from that point on, Liesel is constantly looking for him every time they have one of these times when, when, when they bring Jews through town. And, like, she's always, I think, like, slightly relieved when he's not there, but, like, also slightly nervous because it's like, is he dead? Right. She has no but, idea where he is. If he's, if, she's, if he's gone, he's either someplace safe or he's someplace dead. in danger. Um. And uh, so one time they, they see him and then yada, 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 what we said before. And so I forget, I forget well, why I, we yeah. this up. Well, well, I guess the reason I brought it up was that she sees him and it. she's been looking for him. And she she's one of the two three people in her life that matter has mattered the most because they read to each other. He, he wrote books he, for her. He wrote um, books for her. Which were Stand Over Man, which is kind of scary standover man which is and really cool. the word shaker and the word shaker and, and there's and these are in the book in the book thief as like small pages within the book and they have you know unique art and yeah um they had like they have these like kind of like messy little drawings mm-hmm. and so the standover man is creepy as we and, which said. is max's like fears most. yeah it's like his fears and, and his observations and, and then the, the word, word shaker, shaker is about liesel and I think I'm pretty sure the who would the young man be? That's him. Yeah, that's, him. that's their, it's about their relationship. Um, and so it's it's all about like there's these trees that grow like words, and um, word shakers like bring them down. And so there's this tree that the Nazis want to cut down. And so Lisa, the word shaker, like the best of the word shakers, she climbs up the tree and stays there, so they can't cut it down. Everyone tries to cut it down, and no, but no one can like mark on it. And so one uh, one day. A young man, Max, he um, comes and he has all he has like a hammer, like three nails or something, and he nails them into the tree and climbs up, and they stay up there, and that one, and then, then they finally come down. Yeah. Well, he asks her, right? He asks her, yeah. why don't you come down? They've stopped trying to cut the tree down, and she says, I'm the reason the tree won't fall down. And so that 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 part got to me. I think probably the mo- uh, moving parts was when uh, Max is being the second or third time he's being shuffled away by the the soldiers and she yells to him but she yells to him about, like in the words of the word shaker you know kind of telling him both not only that she got it because it was hidden for her by her by her mother uh, or by rose it was hidden and supposed to be given to her when she was a certain age so she he knows that she's gotten it knows that she's read it knows that she's understand understood it and um and it's one of those things like no one around has any idea what she's saying but like he understands what she's saying and then like you said she won't leave because max is being left you know, taken away again, and that's when Rudy's like goes and like tries to hold her back from following him even more because she's already been beaten up. And so, yeah, and then um, that that then I guess it all leads back to what I was saying was was that later when she tells Rudy about Max, there's this great moment where she's like she really wanted to kiss him for real because you know, and she goes on to describe that it's because she loves him, not because he asked her, because she feels like she should, and that regret. She- yeah, because it's like, and then a little while later, he's dead. And it, it's like a lot of regret. Because, you know, it's the thing, it's better to um, to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all or something like that. Yeah, no, that's right. Um, And so, yeah, and that that's part of regret. A random note, almost, I, I'm like, the mayor's wife was another relationship I found very interesting. Mayor's wife um, sees Liesl take books from the book burning. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and Lisa realized, really early on, right? yeah, really early. On. Lisa realized this, and Lisa's whole thing. She carries, she like carries the um, Rosa works as like a laundress, and she mm-hmm. does people's laundry. So Lisa like brings the clean laundry back and takes the dirty laundry to Rosa. And at one point, she goes up to the mayor's house, and it's the mayor's wife, and she realizes that this is the person who saw her. And so she's like, "Come inside." And Lisa kind of freaks out because she's like, oh, "I'm interpreting." Like, interpre- caught. She's like, "Caught." And she goes in, and the mayor's wife shows her this library with all these books. What I think is interesting is the mayor's wife like never talks. Like she's like very silent throughout the mm-hmm. entire book. We barely ever see her except when um, at the end when she's I think driving Lisa somewhere, and then in in some certain scenes in the library and at the door, and. At one point, Lisa's like, "I can't. I have to stop coming to your library. I don't know what else to say." But why is the why is the mayor's wife? Why is she so quiet? I don't remember. That's one of the pieces mm-hmm. I don't always remember. It's um, it's because uh, her son died. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I forgot that part. It's grief, and yeah. like I think one of the things that I that I find interesting about the characters is that everybody's dealing with grief and dealing with fear in their own weird way, in their own including the lady that they think that was described as like the the wire yeah, lady Ms., uh, what's her name she's the next door neighbor she's very grumpy she has two sons who are out and at Stalingrad so one gets killed and the other mm. one comes back and she's like really sad and then it gets worse and the other one commits suicide and, commits suicide. and, and so she's just like she, completely um, at one um at one point so I, I don't remember if it's the the um the one before or after the other son commits suicide but at one point she um everybody there's about there was a bomb warning and so everybody's gone down to the basement and uh she she won't leave she's like i i can't mm-hmm. i can't go on anymore but finally they're able to take her down another big part is her relationship with uh liesel uh, at one point they were all in the bomb shelter and liesel was reading aloud from one of her books to like everybody yeah. in the shelter and she was like can you like please read that to me and come over I mean, Liesl doesn't like this lady very much, yeah. um, but she does anyway. And it's, like, interesting because, like, she seems she, does, she seems like such, like, a unlikable person. Yeah. And yeah, I think um, I think all the characters in this book have many sides. I, thought, I mean, I like the way you described it as, as 3D, as, as real. And I think, too, the books, the thing that I thought was interesting, again, it goes back to that it's about Germans, kind of everyday Germans who... That the book I'm pretty sure that she's reading from was it the one she got from the library or is it one she got from the burning? I don't remember, but it's isn't it Dreamcatcher? Was that the second one? She's I don't know. I was just curious when when they start reading. I was thinking, is this from a book that's like obviously or or, or noticeably like a Jewish piece of fiction? Because there's one that's a, like a thriller that stars uh, like a Jewish protagonist, and I was thinking, is she just sitting there reading this there's book all, that's supposed yeah. to have been burned? And... There's also this one. I, I think it was Shoulder Shrug about like the really that's what rich, it is, the, the, real, the rich Jewish guy. That's and the one. So, that, and I don't know if that's the one that she was I reading. I don't Michelle think, think so. I think it was Dreamcatcher. Okay. That might be the second one she read. Okay. Um. Either way, there the, the reason the book was being burned because because yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a like. Jewish person, like a, a Jewish character, like a yeah. who was not represented in a terrible way. He was mm. represented as oh a, right, yeah, he was as as the lead character. Yeah. So one thing that um, I thought was interesting because this is is narrated by death, and because you have these grand epic moments where like he swoops off and collects tens of thousands of souls at some event, like some famous world event that you know about, and from then the, comes back. Uh, at the beginning of the book, he says he, he saw. The book thief three times mm-hmm. the first one was when her little brother died i think the second one 
was at the bombing and another no, the third one was at the bombing i think and the second one was when i think the there was like some like plane or something that oh uh, yeah, yeah and there was an english bomber uh, pilot yeah crashes. and so rudy and lisa are there right mm-hmm. and rudy, rudy has, a, a, has a teddy bear in his box and they can't do anything so just rudy like lays the teddy bear next to him and i feel like I don't know why that was like such it's such a touching like significant scene it's like they just give him like a kind of a moment of peace before yeah. he dies and well like, I think it shows who Rudy is right like yeah. it shows how, how compassionate Rudy was yeah, it doesn't, how, he doesn't care like where you're from or who you are this no is one wants di- to die alone no one wants to die alone so they put the they put the teddy bear next to him as he dies and I think that's the second time death sees hmm. uh, Liesl so do you think one of the things about World War Two? that people often talk about is that how it sort of the scale of the people, the number of people who died was so massive that it's like everywhere in any situation and into some of these parts of the world, death was just there all the time. And I thought, you know, obviously the, the author thought about that quite a bit when it comes to having the death of the character of death personified, but it, it never felt like any of these characters was ever safe. I mean, there was often talking about how, Oh, it was like a good time for these few months or, but it, it definitely felt like I understood the indiscriminate death that must have been a part of life during the period, right? Like when the characters die, I, I knew they were going to die the whole book because he hints about it or death sort of talks about like, oh, well, things are good now, but you just wait six months or you just wait till, you know, when I find Rudy and he's dead on the ground. And this is like early in the book when he talks about how Rudy's going to die. Well, he, um, I don't think he like really like kind of said that much, but like, he does talk about like, the, th- the, th- the colors of the sky oh sorry the colors of the sky the three times he saw the book thief the last one he says is red mm-hmm. and or it's like red orange like the sky was on fire something like that something awesome um and he like he gives i feel like the hits are a little more subtle than you're describing mm-hmm. but that might just be like but i mean you, you, you did you ever feel t- like there was going to be a happy ending or well, like some of the characters were going to make it out i i i so I was pretty sure Hans was going to die the entire time. I was almost positive Hans was going to die. I was pretty sure Rosa was going to die, too. I don't know why. But I was, the whole time, was holding on to this this small hope. I was like, Rudy, please make it. Yeah. That's why I made it so much harder, because Rudy's the best. Yeah. The the two books that thought, I've already pointed one of them out to our, on, on our shelf. I said, this book. I think I've got, I bought the other one after I read it. But the, the two books that this reminded me of most... And maybe that's where the difference between YA books and, you know, I guess other contemporary fiction, if there is such a thing as a YA book anymore, I don't know, but is that the fact that Liesl is a, starts as an 11-year-old, I think it ends as a 14-year-old, I don't know for sure, but um, these two books are about adults, but, you know, some of them start pretty young, but are the two books are Corelli's Mandolin, and there's a book called All the Light We Cannot See from last year, but th- all of these are great examples of books I think that tell the the sorts of small scale stories about like what is considered like the most epic global conflict that's ever been that really capture the idea of like these are just like these tiny 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 moving parts in this enormous thing that we're used to hearing about like good guys bad guys d-day and it's like um, these tiny little stories which almost reminds me of how how almost death the death the entire time he like emphasizes so much on the book thief story and like like you're saying like it's just like a small part of this and like it's so interesting to hear like him spend so much time on it Mm -hmm. and talk about like how like sort of moved i mean if this is death we're talking about but like but he is moved though right no he's moved by these small things that happen by small things and like 
I think you should read both those books because I, I think you would love them. They made they made me almost cry too because there's stories where it's like these stories. There's the, the the crazy thing about this era is that there's literally millions of stories that are just like this, and all of them are heartbreaking. Like even the ones that are less heartbreaking that aren't as like dramatically heartbreaking as this is, where it's like if like her her town is literally flattened. Yeah, the only people that survive. She actually sees Max later. It's like the only people that survive are like the the mayor and his wife. Max and Rudy's father. Rudy's poor father who ended up going, you know, an older man who ends up going to war because they don't want to send Rudy and then the entire family except him dies. And he has to live with that. His yeah. entire... And so I think that that's... It's funny because we don't hear much about Alex Steiner because I think that was his name. Yeah. And until that, like, whoop part where it's like, because this is something that they're, like, the only people who made it out of this. Mm-hmm. And, like, and they bond because everything that was anything to them just was like gone mm-hmm. like they're one day and gone the next so i mean that's where you hear like stories where they probably were ended up like father and daughter in in some ways because you know he was the the father of the, the boy she loved for a short time and, and, she, and she was the 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 girl that loved his son and so from that point on they'll always have that strange bond um she does see Max at the end, which is nice. One, I do think the um, the distance. Yeah, no. Then Max comes back. That's that's an amazing like moment of hope, right? And, it, and it's one that of, that part for me. I was like, dang, you. <laughs> you were like, give me this bone, throw me this bone. I was like, yes, yes. Somebody we care about made it out. I which I which I was surprised because the rest of the book does not have that kind of generosity. It, yeah, it is brutal. It is it is realistically brutal. And that's what I found, like, so interesting about Because I feel like after that, they'd be like, and she never heard from Max again. They just, like, wouldn't even talk about Max again. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, they're never going to talk about Max again. Max is probably yeah, dead. I thought or so, too. I thought that's the way these stories well. often go. So I thought it was interesting where, like, everybody she cares about gets wiped out. But it's like there's, like, one random person who makes it. And that's sort of, like, the way it was for Alex a little bit. Not really. He wasn't that random. But, like, it'll mm-hmm. be like, but the only survivor... Was the guy from three blocks away? Well, the, that's the that's the craziness <laughs> of it, though. The randomness. There's of the guy. It's one point they bring out the old guys to, to send them to the, to the army. As some, you know, it's it's a form of punishment. One for for doing something against the, the Nazi party. Two, it's because Germany starts to have you know problems with human capital. They start running out of people because they've been throwing so many people into the meat grinder, and then they they've thrown the rest of them. The uh, the the Roma, the homosexuals, and the Jews into concentration camps, and then also enemies of the state, that they start running out of people, especially when they start losing. So then they'd bring out old men and young kids and throw them in uniforms and make them do stuff. And this is before that happens, when they're kind of at the end of their rope. But the fact that they take Rose's dad, who's a veteran of World War One, um, and make him join the, you know, he ends up joining more of like a, a squad that takes care of uh, wreckage or ruins after they're they're bo- they're bombed. Um, but there's the whole death there where there's a guy who's a member of the squad who is meant to be sitting in one place in the truck. And he, just to be a jerk, makes Hans Huberman switch places with him. And they wreck the car and he dies. And so... Totally random. I don't even know how to describe it. I mean... Indiscriminate. It's, in, indiscriminate. That's a fun word. Yeah, <laughs> um, so yeah, that was the book. Yeah, so I think that concludes this episode. Yeah, probably. did we talk about it enough? I think so. And go on our website, yadadanddaughter.com, comment on the individual uh, podcasts, rate us on iTunes and Anchor and Stitcher. And anything you could rate us on. 
just let us know what you think and, and post ideas and suggestions. See you next episode, right. hopefully. This is Dad signing out. <laughs>